Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Colossians chapter number one, Colossians chapter number one. Uh, This is a book that we uh, were in at the the end of last year and uh, the beginning of this year. Uh, But we're going to go back into the book of Colossians chapter number one and uh, look at verse number 18. We're going to look at one verse uh, this morning and uh, we're going to preach on the subject as we're going to start today and over the next several weeks through the month of September and talking about biblical church polity, biblical church polity. And uh, today I want to talk about uh, and ask the question, who's in charge? Who's in charge? And Colossians chapter number one and verse number 18 gives us the answer uh, to that question of who is in charge of the, the, the church. And let's look at it in the word of God this morning. Colossians chapter number one and verse number 18. And the Bible says, and he, speaking of Jesus, is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I think Paul answers the question right there of who is in charge of the church. Amen. And so we're going to dig into verse number 18 this morning. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for how you Lay out for us, your church, the proper way to govern the church. Father, as we look at this passage of scripture, this this one verse here in Colossians chapter number one, first and foremost, we must understand that you are the head of the church. Not some man, not some leadership board, but you have the final say. You are the head of the church. And Father, I pray that you would take this verse and I pray that you would speak to us and that you would give us clarity from your word today in regards to this question of who's in charge. God, I need you this morning. I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would give me the exact words for, for me to say, for your people to hear. And Father, I pray that we would take this and we would glean from it learn from it, and grow from it. And uh, Father, we'll give you all the praise and glory for what you'll do this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Biblical church polity. Polity, what is, what is the definition of polity? Very simple, very simply put, it is a particular form or system of government. And so the question is today is, and throughout the next several weeks is how is the church to be governed? Now, this is very important for us to know, amen? Uh, this is, this is uh, not something that we need to mess around with because this is the church of the living God. This is his church, and we need to know how it is to be governed. And so we asked that question this morning, and Paul is dealing with a church here, and under house arrest, he begins to write this letter to the Colossian church. And because there was a there was a fight against legalism within this church, there was a fight against Gnosticism, 
and their pastor, Epaphroditus, he, he desired counsel um, in regards to these different issues within the church. One of the biggest teachings of the Gnostics was that they didn't believe that Jesus was God because, uh, because they believed that the body was evil and the spirit was good. And so God would never come in the flesh because it is all evil. That was what they would teach. But understand that this teaching destroyed the biblical truth of Jesus Christ's headship. Amen? It destroyed it. It's saying that Jesus was not God. And so Paul wants to prove that God came to this earth in the flesh. In verse number 15, he says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, meaning he's the manifestation of the invisible God. God would be manifested in the flesh. The Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Who's the word? The Bible says, and the word was made flesh. That's Jesus Christ. And dwelt among us and beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The also, also, the Gnostics believed and they taught that uh, there were certain individuals who received a greater revelation from God. They had a greater understanding, a greater knowledge. They were special. And that also hurt this, this uh, teaching that Paul, this biblical truth of Jesus' headship over the church. Paul also points out that Christ was the creator of all things, that he created things for himself, the spirit realm as, as well as the physical realm. He says Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. And see, with this rank, Paul is able to demonstrate uh, Jesus' superiority over any created being, even in the spiritual powers. And he has this rank because as one verse number one or chapter number one, verse 16 makes it very clear that he created it all. In John chapter one, verse number three, the Bible says all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So Paul is clearing up these things so he can lay the foundation uh, of the headship of the church. And he says in verse number 18, he says here that any, and he, Jesus is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And so he really kind of focuses in on here and speaks of Jesus being the head. He speaks of Jesus's relation, his relationship with the church. Number one, I have three points this morning. What I want us to see in this verse here is number one, that Jesus is our head. Jesus is our head. You see, in regard to the believer, Paul says Jesus is our head. He is the supreme master. He is the one who is in charge. He is the one who gives the body of believers life. Amen. Aren't you thankful that he's the one that gives us life? He gives us existence. You see, the head is absolutely essential for the body to survive. Right? Uh, don't try to take off your head. It won't work, all right? The, the head is absolutely essential for the, for the body to survive and for the body to function properly. It has to be in its place. And the church is the body of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. 
You know the head gives much to the body? The head gives the body direction. Our brains, it tells our body what to do, right? The Bible says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Jesus as the head leads the body. The head decides where the body goes. Amen? And Jesus is our master. He's in charge. He leads us. He directs us. But also, the head gives us goals and plans. The Bible says in James chapter number four, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. The head guides the body. The head establishes the goals and the priorities for the body and the body responds by obeying the leadership of the head. You understand that Jesus and his word, this is how he, he gives us our priorities through his word. Our priorities should be based upon scripture. Our priorities of this church should be based on what he tells us to do. And then we are to, if we're going to properly function, we need to respond to his direction and to his leading in obedience. But also the head gives us usefulness. Ephesians chapter number two, verse number 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, Jesus, the head, uses the body. The head decides which body parts move and what it does. But also, it gives us, the head gives us existence. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You see, Jesus gives life to the body. He gives life to the church. If the head were to die, then the body would cease to live also, right? And so praise God that the church today exists because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, we, the body, owe the head total dependence and total obedience. Here at Fellowship Baptist Church, we obey God and his word because he is the head. He is the head. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, there's a problem when the body stops responding to the commands of the head. That's a problem. What's it called? It's called paralysis. When the body stops responding to the commands of the head, it is called paralysis. And what paralysis does, it's a, the result of paralysis is a lack of movement. It's a lack of momentum. It's a lack of usefulness. And the only way that paralysis can be overcome is for communication to be restored between the head and the body. And there's a lot of spiritual, spiritually, spiritually paralyzed Christians today. There's a lot of paralyzed churches today. Those who aren't communicating and are not depending on the head, which is Jesus Christ. And we sit back and we wonder why, what's going on in our world today? What's going on in our churches today? 
Why, why can't we see true spiritual growth? Why can't we be used of God to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's because we are not communicating with the head. We are not obeying the head of the church. That's our problem. See, oftentimes we treat Jesus like he's just another appendage of the body instead of the head. We treat Jesus like he's just an arm. We can live with him or we can live without him. Whenever the arm is convenient for us, then Jesus comes in the picture. Jesus, understand today, is not another arm, amen? He is the head, and we need to give him that rightful place in our lives and in our church. Jesus must be first, or we will live a paralyzed Christian life. Jesus must be first, or we will have and possess a paralyzed church. Church, we, not, we must understand that we have to start treating him like the head. Let's depend on him to give us life. Let's communicate with him on a daily basis. Let's allow him and his word to direct us. Why? Because he is our head. Charles Spurgeon said this in regards, he was speaking of the Catholic church and he said, Christ did not redeem his church with his blood that the Pope might come in and steal away the glory. He never came from heaven to earth and poured out his very heart that he might purchase his people, that a poor sinner, a mere man should be set up on high to be admired by all the nations and to call himself God's representative on earth. Christ has always been the only head of the church. And that's so true today. And we here at Fellowship Baptist Church must make sure that Jesus is the head. And that we are in direct communication and direct obedience to the head. That's first and foremost. But also we find in this passage of scripture that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the church's hope. He says in verse number 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. You see, the total hope of all of mankind is found in Jesus Christ. Oh, we need more. We need more agreement on that one. The total hope of, of, man, of all of mankind lies in Jesus Christ. He is the only hope for salvation. And the question is this morning, is what are you placing your hope in that will get you to heaven? Is it your good works? You can never do that. You can never reach the glory of God in your good works. Is it other gods? There is only one God, and his name is Jesus Christ. Listen, there, he is the only hope for our salvation. He is the, our only hope for sanctification. We can't grow in this Christian life, grow closer, grow in the image of Christ without him. But he's also our hope for satisfaction. You see, no one will ever see heaven apart from Jesus Christ. No one will ever live holy apart from Jesus Christ. No one will ever be truly happy apart from Jesus Christ. But those who know him today find that he gives all three of those things. Jesus is our hope. Paul says here that he is the beginning. He is the beginning. In Colossians chapter 1 and verses 16 through 17, 
uh, Paul speaks of him as being the one with whom it all started. Everything had its beginning in him. He is the beginning of all creation. The Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. He made this world and he sustains this world. He holds this world together, but he's also the beginning of the biblical church. He is the beginning of the church. In Matthew chapter 16, he says this, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus did not just assume responsibility for the church. He died to purchase it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That's why we sing about the blood of Jesus. That's why we sing and say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied, amen? Because it's through his blood we can be a part of the family, the church. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Friend, understand today that he died for you. He gave his all for you. Why? Because he loved you so much. And today he wants you to become his child. Today he wants you to become a part of his church. But Paul also says that he is the firstborn. Christ is the firstborn from the dead. Christ died and praise God, he rose again, amen? He rose again with new life, new life that is death defying. Christ is not only higher than any evil powers, but is also sovereign over death itself. In Romans chapter six, verse number nine, the Bible says, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, Death hath no more dominion over him. And then he established the church and he established his uncontested rank that we find here in in verse number 18. Jesus founded the church. He brought forth the church and gave it life through his death and resurrection. What does that mean for us? It means that yes, Jesus was the first to die, be buried and to rise again. But it also means that Jesus being the hope of the church won't be the last to do so. What happened to him, what will will happen to all of those who believe on him? That is the hope that Jesus gives to those who have a relationship with him. That is the hope that he gives to his church. The Bible says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. 1 Corinthians says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. And John eleven twenty six, 26, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Understand today that you too can have this hope in Jesus Christ. If you don't have that hope found In Jesus Christ, you can have that hope today before it is eternally too late. You don't have to fear death anymore. Jesus is your hope. He can be your hope of salvation. He can be your hope of sanctification and satisfaction. Paul lays out for us very, very clearly that Jesus is our head. He is our hope. And then lastly, Jesus is to be first. Jesus is to be first. Who's in charge? 
Jesus is. Look at verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in how many things? All things he might have the preeminence. That word preeminence comes from a word which means to be first, to hold the first place. In every area of life, he, Jesus, is to come first. He should be first in our life. He should be first at our job. He should be first in our recreation. He should be first in our homes. He should be first in our hearts. And he should be first in his church. Man, you all are struggling this morning. Listen, he is to be first. He is to be considered above and before all things. You see, with church, we often try to make the music the head of the church. In our churches, we try to make the programs the head of the church. In our churches today, we try to make the people the head of the church or the pastors the head of the church. But listen, today, the Bible clearly tells us that we should give Jesus the preeminence in everything that we do. He deserves the preeminence in our music. He he deserves the preeminence in our programs. And he deserves the preeminence in every single thing that we do here at Fellowship Baptist Church. He is to be first. God moves forward toward one goal. And that is to place Jesus on the throne of the universe. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, amen? Listen, he moves toward that goal daily and without compromise. And our job is to place Jesus on the throne of our hearts and on the throne of this church. He must be acknowledged as our Lord. Listen, Jesus, you know he already holds the preeminence in Scripture. He already holds the preeminence. He already holds the preeminence in salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And he holds the preeminence of sovereignty. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He has the preeminence in all of those things. But let me ask you the question this morning. Does he have the preeminence in your heart and in your life? Is he the heartbeat of this church? Is he the head of this church? And if not, it's time that we start cleaning out the throne room of our heart and placing him where he rightly deserves to be. And if he's not the head here at Fellowship Baptist Church, then if he's not sitting on the throne here at Fellowship Baptist Church, then it's time that we start cleaning out that throne room too. and placing him where he belongs. Listen, church, when I'm alone 
Jesus should be first. When I'm with my family, Jesus should be first. When I'm at my job, Jesus should be first. When I preach, he should be the focus of my message. When, he, when we sing praises to him, he should be first. We find here in verse number 18 that it's just a small glimpse. A small glimpse of, of from one short verse of who Jesus is to the church. I want to ask the question though this morning is who is he to you? Who is he to you? This morning, can you say, Lord Jesus, you are my head. You are my hope. You have first place in my life. Or can you not say that? Or is there an area in your life that needs work in your relationship with him? There's a need, or if you just uh, want to talk to him about something, then understand he's, he's ready to listen. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to allow you to change in your ways. Let me close with this. While every church, every church is going to have its own local elders or pastors, every church is going to have their local leadership. But the ultimate leader of any church is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church. I will build my church. It belongs to him. He is the head of the body. And let me say this. He is the only one with the power to perfectly lead this church and perfectly love this church. Who's in charge? Jesus is. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.